0: Let's do this.
1: I learned from a very young age that if you think that you're a master of something, you need to stop doing it. Us tattooers, you have like some of the worst tattoos and it takes us the longest to get tattooed. I feel like anybody can draw. On
0: point. Hello everyone. Welcome back and happy Wednesday. I'm your host Taylor Burke and today's guest of On Point is a prominent tattoo artist. He's been in the industry for 26 years. He's also tattooed all over the country and is now the owner of Sangriel Tattoo Shop. Give it up for Randy Murray. Hi Randy.
1: Hey everybody.
0: Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So Randy I met you last week and like I said you've been on my mind. You have such a fun personality and I'm so excited for our listeners to get to know you. Thank you. So, first and foremost, you have your own tattoo shop and you named it Sangrielle. So, let's start there. Where did the name come from and why did you name it that?
1: I, anybody that knows me, knows that I'm a huge movie buff. I mean, okay. you guys have been in the shop. You saw the big painting at the back of the shop. That's from Ghostbusters 2. Rather listen to a movie than listen to music most times when okay. it comes to doing the work that I do. But, so being that I watch a lot of movies, I'm originally from New Orleans as well. And being from New Orleans, we have ties through French history and Spanish history, and I'm a huge history buff as well. So just so happens that one of the favorite movies that I have is Angels and Demons and The Da Vinci Code. Maybe you've heard of those. And when they talk about royal blood, they use the term sang which is royal blood, I guess, in French. And so I adopted the name from that movie sangria tattoo and it had you know essence like when i designed the logo with the florida lees and the s in the middle of it and it made me think of like i grew up and in, in went to catholic schools when i was a kid so seeing the logo made me feel like i was seeing some of that as well it was just brought home a lot of New Orleans stuff, the chalice and the the fleur-de-lis and stuff. so.
0: So, and you also just mentioned that you designed the logo.
1: Yes, I did. In New Orleans, we have a lot of logos for the different schools, right? But they tend to look a little more like royalty just being from the South. We, I don't know why we do that. Maybe it's the French design or something. And so with the different Schools, you see all these really pretty designs like Sacred Heart or Stuart Hall. You know, those are the two schools that stick out in my head that were like really prestigious schools that all of us were like, oh, if you go there, you got money, right? I think it comes from some of that stuff deep in my roots when I was a kid. You know, it always stuck behind in my psyche, especially going to Catholic schools because going to Catholic schools as an artist is just never a good thing.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, see, I can't even imagine. You are also a Navy vet. Yes. Thank you for your service. You said something to me. We were talking about your kids and you said Mm -hmm. when they graduate high school, they can do three things. Mm -hmm. Serve our country. That's right. Do a trade school. Right. Or go to college. Yes. So did you have those three things for you as well?
1: Those three things were not available to me. Even though I went to pretty good school, I had to work my way through my high school. I had to do what was called work study. When I went to go graduate, I didn't have many options. My family was very poor. I knew that once I graduated, I had to figure out what I was going to do. And, you know, there's a lot of kids, especially nowadays, my own kids included, who have the luxury of stepping back and saying, hey, Like, what do I really want to do? And there's so many more options, obviously, for kids these days than there were for me 20-something years ago. So... I did not see a problem with me joining the military. I'd gone to Catholic schools. It was kind of regimented the same way. Most of the men in my family have served. So I decided to go ahead and serve because college wasn't something that I could afford. And I already had the trade under my belt. You know, I was already tattooing by the time I graduated from high school. So I always knew that I had that to to fall back back on.
0: on. So you went into the Navy right out of high school.
1: Yeah, 17 and a half.
0: And of course, I've got to know, while you were serving, did you tattoo anyone?
1: Oh, I did. Yes. I tried to get as many people to give me their paychecks as possible.
0: Wait, you charge your friends?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, you know, it's, it's the Navy, but you know, you still got to make money.
0: You are a little travel bug.
1: I am. I love to travel. I
0: know you do. It so it makes me happy. <laughs> you were originally from New Orleans, like you said, in the beginning of this podcast.
1: Yes. Okay. So California. you know
0: what? Let's set the scene. Little Randy, right? Let's start with little Rand's. What prompted to make the move from New Orleans to California? Let's start there.
1: How do I put this? Let's see. New Orleans is a great place, but growing up there, if you're at least halfway intelligent, you know that you probably shouldn't be there. Why? There's nothing but booze and food 24-7. I mean, it's great. You know, I love it. But for me, in as an individual, I come from a family of people who can't handle too much of one thing, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So we like to partake in the festivities in New Orleans. I was one that knew that when I was growing up that I liked to drink a lot too. And so I decided from a young age that I wasn't going to stay in New Orleans and that, you know, I wanted to travel. One of my biggest influences in my life was my aunt. And she was an artist and a photographer and a painter and when mardi gras would hit my aunt was sober and she would take me from new orleans and we go to gatlinburg tennessee and the areas around gatlinburg tennessee and that was the first sense of adventure i remember having as a kid and we would go there and take pictures of the landscapes and check out the scenery and the nature with the deer and what have you and then my aunt would sometimes come back to the cabin we would rent and she'd paint it and so i remember just seeing my aunt and how free she was from all the bullshit for a lack of better terms around you in your normal life. And she would just suck all that in and she would just go, Mm -hmm. you know, she never worried about how she could afford it. And so that was what made me grow up. To say like, hey, I'm going to travel. I always knew and felt real deep down that I was going to be an artist. It was just part of who I was. My best friend Nick, when I was a kid, he'd tell you today, you know, oh, that dude used to always get in trouble for coloring or drawing in school and Mm -hmm. whatever. Getting that sense of adventure out and going and wanting to be not, in New Orleans. I always wanted to see something different. I'm still like that today. I'm you know, going to be 41 years old and I sit here and I'm like, ooh, I wonder what that place is like. I haven't gotten to travel in quite some time really like I want to, which is part of being a business owner.
0: Oh, definitely. But I hope you're able to squeeze some traveling in. Randy, let's go ahead and talk about the three tattoo shops that you worked at when you first moved to the Bay Area. You started working for The Painted Lady, The World Famous Moms on Hyde Street in San Francisco, and then you also worked for Apex Tattoo. Two in Oakland
1: apex yeah apex uh-huh.
0: when did you start knowing you were good at it
1: I have never been good at art ever
0: well, you're taught too, so you gotta be somewhat good.
1: It's debatable. Artists are funny. We are a funny breed, or at least from my experience, we always think the worst of ourselves. I'm a horrible artist, but I really am. You know, I guess I, I learned from a very young age that if you think that you're a master of something, you need to stop doing it because that's just not the way it should be. Mm-hmm. You should always be evolving and learning. And I still find after all these years that sometimes I'll be teaching someone something and I will inadvertently, oh, aha, like, okay, I just saw a little thing within that thing that I'm doing that I normally could have been doing this entire time that would have added a flair to something that I draw for a a leaf, for example. I feel like anybody can draw.
0: I can't. I really, really can't. No? I can't even draw stick figures, so. But
1: how much time and effort have you put in? And that's the point, you know, with time and effort. Totally,
0: and see, any time and effort I have, I try to work on my speaking voice.
1: You do have a non-regional diction and a very (laughs) polite voice. Thank you. You're you're
0: welcome. How did that art get switched over to tattoos?
1: My grandfather. Give us the story. My grandfather tattooed. He was in the military, and after he got out of the military, he basically just kind of roamed around tattooing. Eventually, he wound up back in New Orleans, and I learned how to tattoo from him.
0: Did he tattoo you? Um,
1: No. No, my grandfather would not do that, and I had, for some reason, I had the same morals now that i think about it i won't tattoo my own kids you know my oldest son is well enough old to be tattooed so is my middle son you know my middle son has hinted at the fact that he wants to get a tattoo and he knows what he wants i would want to bring him to someone that i know honestly it's like a moral compass type thing you're like that's my child but for me you know you would think that most tattooers would say oh i want to be the one to tattoo my own kids if anybody's gonna do it it's gonna be me and yes i would definitely want that but but with my own self-doubts that I always have, I'm always going to be that way. I'm always going to be like, there's always somebody better than me. And there is. There's always somebody better than the next person out there or yourself. And I feel like those people should have a chance to make the art. Because every time I look at it, I'd say, oh, well, I don't like the way I did this. Or I don't like the way I did that. But if I look at someone else and the way that they did something, I'm like, oh, that's what they do. Yeah. That's why I told you to go to this person and get this tattoo.
0: See, I do understand it when you say it like that. You are very humble, Randy. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you gave yourself your first tattoo at the age of 16.
1: I did. Yeah, it was on, on thigh. my thigh. Yes, <laughs> it's coop art. Coop. He was. Uh, he's a hot rod like artist. Rockabilly, psychobilly artist, and he's got these devil chicks and these devil guys smoking cigars. It's all hot rod stuff back from that era, he did the artwork. It was an image that I was like, I want that on my leg. And now I'm like, I don't want that on my leg.
0: (laughs) Why don't you do something over it? Because you're pretty good at that.
1: I started to. I, I started to do a falcon, essentially, over the top of it. I've got it outlined. I tattooed it myself again i figured since i was the one that put it on there i should be the one to cover it up but i'm always the last one to get tattooed are you kidding Us tattooers we have like some of the worst tattoos and it takes us the longest to get tattooed
0: on point is brought to you by vagaro an all-in-one management software for businesses specializing in beauty fitness and wellness vagaro also helps people find those amazing service providers near them if your business would benefit from Vegaro's booking, payments, payroll, reporting, and marketing features, visit sales.vegaro.com for more information. And if you're looking to book some U-Time, visit vegaro.com. And then when you moved out to San Francisco, you started at The Painted Lady.
1: Yes. It was everything I wanted it to be. Really? Yeah. Why? So San Francisco and New Orleans are, are very similar Yes, they are both dirty. They both smell like piss. Mm-hmm. One just have hills. <laughs> you know, we got a lot of history here in San Francisco and you it's do. one of the oldest cities on the West Coast. New Orleans is obviously a lot older than San Francisco is, but it's very similar. People have things going on, you know, it's very hustle and bustle. I like that.
0: You like the fast pace, don't you?
1: Yes, I do. I came from that type of environment. You know, so truth be told, I'm bipolar and Chilling for me is not a good thing. It kind of makes me a little stir crazy. I'm a very schedule, busybody, by the book kind of a guy. I give myself a routine. I had a huge problem with not having a schedule when quarantine happened, you know. Did
0: you make yourself a schedule?
1: Um, No, I got hella depressed instead. It was awful. I do take medication for my bipolar. I only started that though right after quarantine because it was a whole depressing thing and my wife was like, hey, I think you need help and if it not had been for her suggesting that i had bipolar disorder i knew that i had post-traumatic stress disorder ptsd but i had no idea that i was bipolar it's kind of like people say like crazy people don't know they're crazy well i didn't know i thought that the life that i was living and how i was living was completely normal and it was not. So when quarantine happened and I had no schedule, I literally went insane. I got so depressed. It was unbelievable. And I don't know how my wife dealt with it, to be honest with you. Like, she is probably the strongest person that I know. She managed to do that and juggle our kids at the same time. But if it had not been for her, I would not have gotten the medication that I've gotten and am the person that I am today. And I only say that because I know that there's probably people out there that will listen to this that may be bipolar or think that they're bipolar. And if you are, and you think that you are, I'm a huge mental health advocate. It saved my life. Go get the help. I loved working at the painted Lady, because it was one of my first experiences in San Francisco. And when I was there, I got to work with one of my very dear friends, Ian Oliver, and he is an amazing artist and so fun to be around. So that made that whole experience an amazing one. Going to Moms was really cool. It's a street shop. So it's constantly busy and you're constantly doing, you know, a bunch of little tattoos for people. It was fun, but it, the type of place where tattooers go, you can make some money there, but you'll never really be some crazy. For me, it wouldn't have been fulfilling because I wouldn't have worked on bigger projects for the most part. And then Apex was different for me because I got to work with a bunch of my favorite people from the counter girl to working with, again, my friend Ian and my friend Jake Diamond who's now in Colorado all those people working around them they're so talented and they're so fun and every tattoo shop you go to for the most part has something good
0: because you've tattooed in not only different tattoo shops but in different states have you noticed the difference between each of these places and by that I mean the things that people are asking for and then the way that you guys do tattoos
1: oh absolutely
0: can you give us an example
1: yeah you know It's, it's almost like it depends on where you work, if that makes sense, where you work has to do with your type of clientele. I mean, it's, I've worked in outskirts of cities. I've worked inner cities. I've worked in the hood. Like it, it's all fun. Like it just depends on where you want to be and what you're doing. And so those people get things like that they're into, you know, you go to the outer cities into the suburbs and people want these like big elaborate pieces that they see on Pinterest and they want you to do something like them and you know it's like well you want to create your own thing from that right and then you've got people in inner city that will get the more like trendy things like you want to see like cool like 49er tattoos or Oakland tattoos for like the Raiders and stuff and I love that like sports tattoos and all these different things so you do like names and cursive and you know cool things like that so it's like you get some of the more traditional stuff in the city and as you go out you get like these more specialized elaborate crazy pieces. And then, you know, there's a crossover in there. You get some of the people that come in from both sides to get both types of things. So I don't, you know, I don't really know. I guess the biggest difference I think would be people in New Orleans, for example, would get like New Orleans type of tattooing. Like the traditional tattoos that you get in New Orleans are very different than the traditional tattoos you get on the West Coast.
0: So what was opening your own business like?
1: So I opened up a shop in Oregon. I've had a hand in other shops and Owned my own, whatever. But like my, my first long-term shop, I guess on the West coast was dark lantern tattoo up in Oregon. And it was a pretty good experience. I was very busy up there. And then when we moved back to California, you know, I had that shop and then was open in San Grial, So I was going to have, you know, multiple shops running at the same time. When you're doing that, it's very stressful. I was literally driving from Oregon on Saturday night at six o'clock and driving to the Bay. We'd get home around 12, one in the morning and then would build my shop on Sunday and Monday and then turn around on Tuesday morning at three, four in the morning, get in the car and go back to Oregon to be at work for like 10, 11 a.m. Doing that for a year was stressful. I I had no time for my children. I had no time for myself. I had no time for my wife. It was taking its toll on me like physically because I could see myself like getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. Mm -hmm. But after it was all said and done, I kicked back and then I was like, oh man, it's all done. And I just want to say like I have like the best landlords at both places, by the way, there were awesome. When I kicked back and I I got to see that everything was finished, it was very satisfying. And I finished everything at the end of February, beginning of March of-
0: Right before COVID?
1: Yeah, COVID. So I opened it two weeks before the shutdown. Oh my God. And then the shutdown happened. That and had to be devastating. It was. It completely ruined me. Oh, ugh. Yep. And so I I wound up having to close down Dark Lantern up in Oregon and only keep one shop because I only was able to be down here at this point. Everything was closed, and yeah. I it was it was hemorrhaging money. You know, between the rents and everything.
0: Are you the only tattoo artist at Sangriao?
1: I am currently.
0: Are you looking to hire other artists there? Oh,
1: absolutely. If their portfolio, I will not sacrifice quality work for warm bodies being in the shop i am currently looking for tattooers though yes and i absolutely love owning my own business it can be very stressful and seem overwhelming and not worth it at times Mm -hmm. but in the end when you work towards the end of that goal and you have it and it's a well-oiled machine it works very well coming from some of the other shops that i've come from in my lifetime number one being crescent city tattoo in new orleans that place was insane i mean It was a well-oiled machine. Everything worked. The owner was super cool. And so I kind of modeled my business in a way after that shop. It was a a very walk-in savvy shop, and that's the way my shop runs. You know, you can come in and get a custom piece, or you can come in and get something that's a very street shop type of thing that you want to do, make little modifications to tattoos and make them good. And I love all that stuff. And being an owner in a tattoo shop allows you to have the freedom To be the person that you want to be and still make an okay living, you can do okay.
0: So how does one go about choosing the right tattoo artist for them?
1: In my opinion, when people make judgments on whom they should get tattooed by. Number one, first and foremost, it should be someone that you as an individual, think is an amazing artist. It shouldn't be based on like, oh, I need recommendations on 40 people to do 40 different things and then I'm going to look for the cheapest price. Don't do that. Definitely go and do your research and find a tattooer you like. Secondly, you should pick someone that if you bought a painting from them, essentially, would you be okay with that painting being on your wall for the rest of your life? And, you know, could you pick it apart and be like, ooh, I don't like, you know, say the lines or something like that. You don't like the way something's shaded or what have you. When you come get tattooed by me, you're not just getting a tattoo from another tattooer, I feel like. You're get a piece of art from me as, like, basically a brand. And you're not just supporting me as a person you support my family Mm -hmm. you know i'm a small business owner and Mm -hmm. i believe that all small businesses should be treated as such Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the little meme that goes around, especially, you know, during small business days where it says, you know, when you're buying from us, you're not just buying a product. You're helping a little girl or a little boy go to baseball practice or become a ballerina or, you know, whatever the stereotypes, I guess, are. But, you know, essentially what they're saying is you're providing for our family by by buying from us.
0: What is your tattoo experience like?
1: So initially what we do is I generally insist on having a sit down consultation with someone. Okay. The reason for that is because you know it it can be so impersonal for someone to call and say, "Hey, I want to get a tattoo." And mm-hmm. you know, my assistant will be like, "Okay, what would you like? How big? Color, black and gray?" You know, where is it going and all these things. And there's only so much you could describe over the phone, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of times you get, oh, I don't know, black and gray, this thing I saw on Pinterest, medium-sized. Mm-hmm. And you're like, medium-sized what?
0: Medium-sized could mean different to different people. Yeah,
1: it's like, are you six foot two or are you five foot tall? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know medium size what on my medium- arm
0: or medium size on my back. Right. Got it.
1: And so I insist on people- coming in because I want to get to know you, number one, mm-hmm. as a person.
0: Getting a tattoo is also personal.
1: It's very personal. And I believe that if I'm putting that pigment into your skin, like not to make it sound impersonal, but just to walk into somewhere, get a tattoo and run out without getting to know your artist a little bit, I think that's kind of odd. Yes, we're there to provide a service, but I think it should come with some level of basis of hi. I'm Randy. I'm the face that's going to be doing your tattoo, Mm -hmm. not just the person on the other side of the phone, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Totally. And so I'll sit down with them and I'll get an idea of what they want and we'll look at photographs and I'll ask them what they don't like about the photographs and what they do like about the photographs. And then what I do is I, I take their idea and I make it my own and then I tattoo it i draw the tattoos the night before my tattoo the because night before. yeah i try to stay in sequence with my artwork with my appointment dates because if not i get so Distracted. disheveled and understandable you know,
0: un- are you drawing with pen and paper
1: these days it's an ipad for okay. the most part and my computer. Back in the day, we all we did was tracing paper and, you know, sometimes red pencils or non-photo blue pencils. And then you would go over it with a micron pen if you needed to. I mean, there was, back before that, make stencils with what's called acetate. The sign painters that actually do signs in the city still use acetate. Mm-hmm. And that's some really cool stuff. In terms of technology and tattooing and where we are right now, Versus where we were when I started tattooing. This is a whole nother level.
0: Yeah, but it's got to be easier on you, right?
1: It can be a lot easier, but it's it's different because I was so used to drawing on paper. I can't imagine where it's going to be in another 20 years. It's going to be like, as you're drawing it on an iPad, it it's shows up on the body. Be, yeah, like, I, I don't know where it's going. But I you'll mean,
0: have to go with the times.
1: You do have to go with the times. I agree with that because, you know, there there's parts of tattooing that make sense. And then there's parts of tattooing that have gotten better. And some people are just stuck on being a hellbent, you know, traditional tattooer. And that's fine. But to those same people I asked the question it's like okay well you know just because you want to be an old traditional tattooer you know who's using machines that are outdated are you driving a 1930s pickup truck to work every day Mm -hmm. you know and it's like no I see you in a Prius so why are you (laughs) Using an old school tattoo machine, like a magnetic tattoo machine. Yeah, I never thought, like, even now with technology the way it is, we have wireless tattoo machines. Completely wireless. So many options for everything these days. Back then, you had an option. It was like, what type of needle are you going to make? And whose tattoo machine either is like your favorite builder and there was like five or six to ten of them maybe and then it became like more of them and the technology got better and the machines Mm -hmm. got better and you don't use needles anymore and people started making needles. It's just, it's insane. You don't
0: use needles anymore?
1: We do use needles, but they're pre-manufactured cartridges now. You know, like when, I hate to use this example, it kills me. Sorry, all you microbladers out there. (laughs) But you guys kill me.
0: Why do they kill you?
1: Because... I hate microbladers because they sit there and they tattoo people. But tattooers actually go through training for years sometimes to learn how to tattoo.
0: And you don't with microblading?
1: No. you One of the microblading schools and pay some girl, you know, 10 grand to learn how to do it in a three week course.
0: Hear me out. I'm not sure if I'm right. Tattoo, I feel like you need to go to school because you're drawing different things on different people's body.
1: It's an apprenticeship. Okay, sorry. So you're not getting paid and you're not paying anyone. You're working your ass through it. However long it takes you to work your ass through it, you're earning it. But You know, I think it has to do with the fact that when a tattooer goes through an apprenticeship, and the same thing goes for tattooers who haven't really had proper apprenticeships, like they don't know how to properly tattoo, they shouldn't be tattooing. So the same thing goes for a microblader. Just because you paid ten grand to learn a skill and you think you can do it doesn't mean you can actually do it, so you shouldn't be doing that. And it does two things. One, it gives people a false sense of reality to where they think they can go to any microblader and they will be able to do their jobs. We've all seen the hacks off. And number two, it prevents the people who really had been practicing and doing the things that they were supposed to be doing to learn how to microblade. What they can charge is cut in half. And that's horrible.
0: But when I'm thinking about it, what you're saying could be applied to anything, right? You go to college and you get a business degree, right? And let's say taxing. Right out of college, you spend all that money. You're not going to find let's say a good tax job, people are not going to just go to you because you have a tax degree. They're going to go to you because you've done the work, because you have the proof, because you've been in the industry for a while, because you have the experience. And that's the same thing with microblading or tattooing. You have to build that clientele. You have to build that trust. It takes time.
1: You're absolutely right.
0: So that's with anything.
1: It, it can be. But I guess that I'm kind of sour and biased about okay. it because, you know, I had to earn What I did. Um, But your
0: work is shown, though, over the time. We can see it. Whereas, like, say you just started off.
1: Right. And just because I'm farther along the line than those other people doesn't still make it right. And part of the responsibility, honestly, is really on these health departments, to be honest with you. I mean, so a hairstylist has to have a cosmetology license, right? Yeah. She has to have had so many hours training. And I don't believe that the government should get involved when it comes to tattooing as far as like how we learn how to tattoo. A person can't go into, say, Cosmoprof and buy shampoo without your hair license, right? Or yeah. toner or whatever. But any dickhead can go on the internet, on Amazon, and buy a tattoo machine and needles.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: so like... But you're
0: saying anyone could tattoo, really? Like, it's that easy yeah. like, to get the equipment?
1: Same thing with microblading equipment. Anybody means anybody. They're giving each other diseases, and, you know, they're giving hepatitis. and.
0: Like, how does the government get involved where people can't sell that stuff?
1: They need to start doing their job. They... Take money from us just like they take money from everywhere else when yeah. they enact all these things, and they come into our tattoo shops and they make sure we're being inspected they, and mm-hmm. we're being safe and we're doing our disposals right and we're you know protecting the health of the public. But the Department of Health doesn't have the ability, and it's not that they don't want to. I don't think. I think they just don't have the ability. Why don't they make it illegal to sell tattoo machines on Amazon or yeah, eBay? Yeah, that's weird. I had no idea. Whatever. If you don't have a license, you can't get it, and there are companies out there that are responsible vendors so one of my bigger suppliers is kingpin tattoo supply or relied in sacramento both of them require you to show proof of your license before you can purchase equipment from them you can't just call up and be like hey you know give me 40 boxes of needles and a cool tat gun and i'm coming down to ricky bobby's house and <laughs> we're gonna do some <laughs> tattoos you know it's not like that
0: So a little fun fact about tattoos from historyoftattoos.net. In 2012, 21% of Americans had one or more tattoos. That is around 45 million people in the US. The most common place for a tattoo for women is the ankle and in men is the upper back shoulder. And 17% of those who have tattoos regret them. And the most common reason for regret is because it's the name of another person. This fun fact segment was brought to you by Begaro. While I was in your shop, I got to witness a girl coming in and asking to work for you.
1: Mm-hmm. How's that going? Going well, yeah. She was
0: like crying when she was leaving. <laughs> was she? Yeah, she was so, she was like, I'm going to cry. This is like my dream. And then she walked out the door crying.
1: I think I freaked her out the other day. Oh no, but... no, what'd you do? Well... I was tattooing and she like went to go touch the tattoo and I was like, do not touch the tattoo, you know, and she didn't at that point. And, you know, again, she went to go touch the tattoo and I kind of gave it to her a little bit. I I got a little dad voicey and I think it, Took her aback a little bit, but I felt bad for it. But at the same time, you can't be doing that stuff.
0: How many hours do these apprenticeships need before getting a license?
1: That is up to the individual that you are learning from. And that's where the repetition of all this stuff is coming from. You know, there are people that learn how to tattoo from some people that don't know how to tattoo. So everybody can be in a shop working for cheap to make money. What that does is it creates an environment for people to possibly spread disease, number one, which makes for like the most important thing, unhealthy client. You don't want to hurt someone by giving them a tattoo Mm -hmm. our job is to make their lives better not worse and secondly it creates this animosity in the tattoo world where we get pissed off because you shouldn't be tattooing it's hard to unlearn bad habits and I used to often get the question how long did it take you before you knew how to tattoo well well not well, but properly is the more important term. And when you finish a tattoo apprenticeship that properly done, you learn how to properly tattoo. And when you are done that apprenticeship, you can properly tattoo and make a tattoo that will stay.
0: You also do a lot of correctional tattoos. For instance, your front desk girl said she has been transferring a lot of her tattoos and creating good ones that you have come up with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What is that process like? And how do you come into a resolution and figure out what goes over it?
1: So cover-ups are some of my favorite things to do. The way we do it is we'll sit down and we'll have that initial consultation. And after we have this consultation, what we do is we look at the image that needs to be covered. And then we try to agree upon something that we can make as a tattoo to cover it up with for example and this isn't always the case and a lot of times people just go to this because it's easier but i'll just make this as a reference point with most cover-ups people will say well what about flowers the reason that flowers are used is because there's a lot of shading points there's a lot of different leaves there's a lot of lines a lot of different things going on so you're more able to to hide the tattoo properly by doing that so once we have a an agreed upon design we would take the new design and put it over the old design and then using those shading points and lines again we would use all of those different points and and utilize those shading points to to do the cover up and then when we add color if it's color it just makes it completely disappear if you know how to properly do a mm-hmm. cover up and that's always my end goal it's not just to do like a what we call it call a bang over where you like it's just something that's over the top of it mm-hmm. you actually want to see it covered that's what I like to see mm-hmm. it's it can be very very difficult and actually one of my mentors when I was a kid his name is Billy Bracey he is a tattooer still in New Orleans he was probably one of the biggest influences I had in tattooing when I was a kid and mm-hmm. the reason that I probably do cover up so well I was at the shop that he was working at I walked in and I got in tattooed and after i was done getting tattooed i was like yo billy like you know what inks are you using these days and he's like oh you know whatever i can find really and i was like okay like you don't want to tell me i get it but no he was just being honest you know it was just whatever he was using he was using i was like hey check out these cover-ups i've been doing and he looked at him and he goes that looks like shit he was completely honest with me and i loved it
0: but did you think he was gonna say it was good no oh. no
1: i had been tattooing probably three years at this point and the way that I was trying to do cover-ups at the time I wasn't utilizing as many lines and as much black and color and saturation and all these things then I remember him looking at me and going oh and by the way you need to be pulling towards your points not pushing away from them and I was like oh yeah I already know that I don't know why I did that you know these things go through your head but when you're reiterating yeah that to me is tattooing maybe it's just because it was my experience but that's what tattooing was
0: And that stuck with you.
1: Yeah. You go to shops, you hang out, you get tattooed. You want to be a tattooer, you got to take out the trash, you got to scrub the floors, you got to clean the toilets, you got to do the things that it takes to work through that shit because it ain't free. You're getting knowledge from someone. You're essentially paying for a trade by trading work. And without those people around me and without those people telling me, hey, that looks like shit, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I love that. When I teach people how to tattoo, I'm not going to make it easy for you per se, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything you want to be a tattooer, then you need to learn that a tattoo shop is not always a fun place. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I want to be the dickhead. It's that you're going to have to deal with clients because they're going to have to understand... When a client comes in, they don't know what they're talking about. I love my clients, all of them. They tell me what they want, but essentially they need to be told how it's guidance of getting tattooed, helping them understand the process.
0: How did you grow your Instagram?
1: Hashtagging and geotagging and advertising and working hard and a good portfolio.
0: You have 102,000 followers. Yes. That's amazing. Thank you. And do you run your Instagram?
1: I do. It's all me. I've had people help me in the past. And I mean, you can hire social media people these days to do that stuff for you, but you know what demographic (laughs) you want to hit and all these different things. So it's like, why pay someone else to do what you can do? Oddly enough here's the uh the weird conundrum i actually hate social media i cannot stand it necessary evil you need it to present yourself these days and people contribute you to your worth by how many followers you have it is a shame and to anybody that's listening to this that is not where they want to be you will get there and do not judge yourself based on how many followers you have because the world of instagram and snapchat and facebook and all these other things all fake those people it's the highlight reel remember that like you are good enough and yeah. I always
0: say that people never post when they're having a bad day
1: Yeah, never They never you, post
0: when they're sad and alone They post when they're having fun
1: Yeah, you see when they get on their trip to Cairo And then they get back to their life And they're eating ramen Like you don't see the shit <laughs> I promise you
0: Totally Yeah How many tattoos do you have?
1: Uh, a lot I could I could give you a percentage okay. of my body that's probably covered. 90. Probably No, probably like 70% I would say because so ironically my right leg absolutely has no tattoos on it. Um I was saving it for one person, not going to say the tattooer's name cuz I don't want to give them credit for anything, but why? because they are a not nice person.
0: Then why do you want them to do it?
1: I don't anymore. That's why it's still blank. So I wanted this person to do my tattoo and I don't anymore. Fallout? You could say that, yeah. But it's it's people how they're treated in general by this person. Yeah, we don't like that. And I don't want to have something on my I already have one tattoo from a tattooer that you don't like. No, I love the tattoo, but I didn't like the person. And that's why, like, it's really important when you go in and get tattooed, you vibe with the tattooer. And that's what you
0: talked about in the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Why it's so important to meet them, tell them your story.
1: It is, because, you know, you remember that experience.
0: What is your next tattoo?
1: My next tattoo? Hmm. That's a good question. I think that I need to get something for my boys. Been thinking about that for a long time. My youngest son is seven and I was waiting until he got a little more, you know, developed in his personality to get something for. The boys. I don't know what I would get for them yet.
0: I have a question. Where is the most painful place on your body to Ooh, get a tattoo?
1: Oh, that's not a fair question. Because there's so many painful places. What is the
0: most painful?
1: God, I probably I would say that my lower back on my back piece. Yeah, that shit hurts. Lower portion of my back piece and throat hurts pretty damn good. Top of the head sucks. Armpit, you know.
0: Have you ever had your lip tattooed?
1: I have. How is that? It's fine. It's not. It's more of an uncomfortable experience than a painful one. You just
0: do it to say you've done it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You run out of places to get tattooed. You start.
0: You have a whole leg. Yeah.
1: I can't get anything like random tattooed on there because I want a full leg sleeve. Like.
0: Well, you can do something for your boys.
1: That would be a lot.
0: Full body photos of them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, thank you. You do a lot of dot work.
1: Yes. These days. What
0: exactly oh is dot work?
1: Literally, what it sounds like, It's pointillism. It's a preference at this point. My line work was always something that was like super important to me. It was ground into my head when I was a kid that if you have shitty line work, then your whole tattoo is gonna look like shit, right? So you take it step by step. Your line work, your shading, your color, whatever you're doing. It was a natural transition for me to do that sort of stuff, being that my line work was so crispy. I guess
0: I love that word,
1: crispy. Crispy line work. You know, you move on from there and. It's very difficult to be able to sit in one position and do that for eight hours straight where you're literally just making dots. When you're done, you step back. You've made this entire pattern with different shades of blacks. And, you know, then you're going to shade over them possibly or leave some blank and you get all these negative spaces. And it looks amazing. Mm -hmm. And it all has to do with rudimentary elements. That we find in geometry and our planet. Which is another thing that drives me nuts about tattooers these days. They're pretentious as shit. You know, they forget that other artists paved the way before them. And what they want to do is there's ones that don't want to give credit where credit's due. And then there's the other side of it where they're like, how dare you steal my drawings? And it's like, dude, I'm not the one stealing your drawings. Let me put that out there first and foremost while I'm saying this. But there are people out there that will steal people's drawings for their tattoos and apply them. Some of them are spot on. Some of them look like shit. But here's the thing. You put that out there you can't expect it not to be copied. Plain and simple. And they forget, or they don't know because they're too young to understand or realize the basis of tattooing. Tattooers used to send flash to each other. You know, they, they used to say, Hey, I painted this piece. I'll trade you for this piece. Or, you know, you painted your own flash and you had it in your shop and that's what people got tattooed. And that's the way it went for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then people started selling their flash and then you could copy that and, you know, replicate the tattoo in street shops and stuff like that. And that was big through the nineties. And so it was very flattering for people to Do that but today people get butt hurt. i mean they freak out you I know i wonder
0: why that's changed
1: pretentious it's these pretentious art students that become tattooers that forget and they think that they're the best tattooer on the planet it's like dude calm down dude just like there's 50 more of me out there there's 50 more of you
0: you said something to me that i found interesting you said that you don't have a problem turning down people that ask for certain tattoos that right. don't mean anything to you or don't align with you that's right it isn't about money no why is that
1: well there could be a few reasons well maybe a couple i guess off the top of my head one being my morals Even though. I am a tattooer. I am consider myself, hopefully, to be a good person and to have a good moral compass. Because I, again, I love my kids. And, you know, when kids are 18 years old and they come into the tattoo shop, sometimes they want to be like their famous Instagram or YouTuber. And they come in and they want to get a neck tattoo or a hand tattoo or a face tattoo. And they have zero tattoos on their body. They're working at some, you know, mediocre job, which is fine. Not the place where, you know, if you wanted to leave and go into a professional setting, you could step foot. It's not like you could come work at Vigaro. I don't know, but maybe with, you know, a cross on your forehead or a giant Gucci chain on your cheek. I'm just saying like most of the time in the professional world, that's what it is. And so I feel like it's my moral responsibility to make it not about the money and to say, Hey, you know, kid, like you're probably regret this in the future I could take your money but I'm not gonna do this you'll probably be able to go to another shop and get this tattoo and that's all I gotta say what
0: do they say when you tell them that
1: what any 18 year old would say you know yeah it's sometimes you'll get it's my money like I'm paying for it I know what I'm doing you know and it's like yeah me too when I was 18. you know musicians are millionaires they can do whatever they want you know say you're uh I guess the one percent for a lack of better terms the people that are movie stars they can make some movies for about five ten years years and then retire and get their whole body tattooed if they wanted to. Unfortunately, yes, unfortunately, we can't just get tattooed on our faces and our hands and still go to work and produce and do the things that we want to do. I feel like we as tattooers and people who want to get tattooed in those places do have the right to do so. But in sociological terms, like people just don't accept it. And it's I don't want to be the reason. And, you know, if there's even just one kid out there that I've turned away that was like, Thank God that dude stopped me from doing that shit. That means all the difference in the world mm-hmm. to me. I just love people. Like I just don't want to see people do things. And you know, people are gonna do what they're gonna do. Sometimes you can't help it. But can
0: you ever be like, hey, I understand. Come back in five years, and if you still want that tattoo, I'll do that for you.
1: No, especially in California. Why? People here are the most impatient people in the world. Like if people here call a tattoo shop and they're like, hey, I want to get tattooed. Can I make an appointment tonight? And you're like, no, he's booked out to this point. Click, and then they call the next shop Mm. you know they they do not care hey can I get in tonight for a small tattoo you know maybe we can stay late maybe we can't you know we'll see what we can do it depends on what you want
0: You are a role model to many young aspiring tattoo artists. What do you have to say to the young tattoo artists that are just starting out with their journey? Any advice you'd like to give them or anything that you'd like them to know that you wish you knew when you were starting
1: out? Number one, if it's really what you want to do as a young tattooer, then follow through with getting a good apprenticeship from a reputable tattooer in a reputable tattoo shop. Number two, is be patient and have patience. Because if you are bugging the shit out of the person that is teaching you to tattoo, it will take you longer, trust me. And number three, when you become a tattooer, remember what it felt like to be the person walking in the shop when you asked for a tattoo, because those are the people that are coming to you every day to help you feed yourself. And then number four is to be patient. When you're doing your tattoos, take your time, take as much time as it needs to be done properly. And if you do those things, I think you'll have a good career. And I think... If I would have learned when I was younger that I don't have to compete with anyone, that would have been probably the best advice that I could have been given. I always felt like I was never good enough. If I would have been told at a young age, don't idolize other tattooers, appreciate what they do, and don't compete with them, just do better than you did yesterday, then I think I would have gotten a lot farther in my career a lot sooner. And educate yourself too. You remember you're, you're an artist at the end of the day, so even as a tattooer, you should be educating yourself. Go take more classes, learn you know more things, and always be learning because the day you think you got it figured out is the day you need to hang those machines up, Val.
0: Look at you. That's amazing. That's really good. We are going to end on a game.
1: Okay. Let's play a game.
0: Okay. So normally, love game. I play Taylor's Would You Rather, but I found something kind of cool on the internet. Okay. And <laughs> it's a Would You Rather game, but this website will determine what kind of tattoo you should get. Okay. And since you're talking about we don't know what your next tattoo is, I thought this would be the perfect idea.
1: So it's like a tattoo generator game? Yes. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. It could be funny.
0: Okay. Would you rather never eat bread again, never eat ice cream ever again, never eat pasta ever again, never drink coffee? ever again
1: coffee i could do without coffee but i can't go without bread i'm from new orleans
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay next question would you rather never be able to see a movie ever again never be able to watch tv ever again never be able to listen to music ever again or never be able to read a book ever again
1: book probably i knew you were gonna say yeah that. i'm a visual guy
0: next one would you rather date someone gorgeous but with zero personality date someone who has a great personality but is mean to everyone but you date someone absolutely perfect for you but they burst into applause every time the plane lands or a movie ends or date someone you absolutely hate but they fund your whole life with great amounts of money.
1: I'd rather date the person that's mean to everybody else but likes me.
0: Would you rather have a big, beautiful house in the middle of nowhere but it's miles away from any civilization. Two, have an expensive apartment in a big city that you can barely enjoy because of the high rent. Have a cozy cabin in the forest next to the babbling brook, but absolutely no Wi-Fi or electronics. Lastly, have a modest home in the suburbs that's literally next door to all your favorite restaurants, but they're always an hour from closing.
1: I would say probably number four.
0: The modest home in the suburbs? Yeah, okay next one would you rather have to smell and then lick your armpit every time you greet someone have to offer a strand of hair as a gift every time you meet someone new have to (laughs) i didn't make these up i promise have to hold hands with every person you talk to for a minimum of 20 seconds no matter what the conversation is about or have to make every farewell into a three-minute song and dance number dedicated to the person you just talked to
1: oh god um probably just hold someone's hand for 20 seconds Yeah, me too. I just don't like people that much, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, last question. Would you rather make a typo every time you text? Never be able to remember the names of actors, movies, or songs when you really need to. Have to type in a complicated new Wi-Fi password for your phone or computer every day for the rest of your life. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's Have your that.
0: wireless headphones constantly on the verge of losing charge and your wired headphones in a permanent tangle you can never undo. I'll
1: take the last one. Yeah, the headphones being tangled. Like okay, are you ready to
0: hear what you got?
1: Oh, God, yes.
0: It says, your next tattoo is a finger tattoo. You like the idea of being able to express yourself without even saying a word, which is why you should get a tattoo on your finger. <laughs> show who you
1: <laughs> show who you are with
0: just a wave of your hand.
1: That's trendy. <laughs> Maybe I can get like family. You or... should
0: see the photo of it.
1: Oh, that's the uh, semicolon. So people get the semicolon to symbolize either the fact that they or one of someone who is close to them has dealt with suicide. Oh. Yeah, so if you ever see somebody with a semicolon, don't walk by and laugh at them. It actually means something. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Well, I feel like we need to get that out there. That's kind of important. Yeah,
1: that's part of mental health as well.
0: Well, Randy, anything else you want to touch on before I say goodbye? No, it's been
1: fun. It's been super fun. fun. Thank you so
0: much for coming and being a part of our podcast today.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Our goal is to always give you the content you didn't know you needed to know and to make sure you're always... On Point. I'm Taylor
1: Burke. Thank you for listening.